1: Hello, Internet. Welcome to another episode of Real Psych. I'm Dr. JD Barton, and I am a licensed clinical psychologist.
2: <laughs> I'm Dr. Joanna Witkin, and I'm a cognitive neuroscientist.
1: The Real Psych is a podcast where we share our gorgeously thoughtful opinions on the psychological phenomena playing out in, in all of your favorite movies.
2: <laughs> JD, will there be learning?
1: Of course.
2: Will there be science?
1: I believe there will be, yeah.
2: Will there be delightfully informal, explorational, informational conceptualizations from two best friends who would be talking about this anyways?
1: I would be so happy to provide that to you today. In (laughs) fact, it would be my privilege.
2: (laughs) You sound so cozy.
1: I put on therapist voice. I put on, "Mm, you know, you know. I don't really talk like that as a therapist. Uh, Sometimes I might sound a little adjacent to that we're like you know maybe maybe the world does suck right now and maybe it's not that you suck i might say things like that
2: it's like a warm hug (laughs)
1: listen that's why they pay me the medium bucks (laughs) (laughs) how you been joge
2: i am good i haven't
1: seen you in a second
2: I know. We skipped last week without we really announcing it, but it's fine.
1: We've been catching up on the, the, the our our gorgeous, like previously established schedule of dropping on Tuesdays has been interrupted, but I we're really working on getting back to it. And by we, I mean me. Uh <laughs> working on getting back to it, especially starting in January. So we'll be uh yeah. It's been well, hectic.
2: Yeah. Yeah, holidays. I mean well, Ho- yeah. holidays,
1: How- some travel. Also, for me, it's just like I had uh, my my life is far less structured than it used to be. And I do really well in structure, <laughs> discovering. And so, like, some of these things are like, right. Oh, yeah, I could do that tomorrow. So I'll just do that tomorrow. And then tomorrow comes and I'm like, but I could also do it tomorrow. <laughs>
2: <Best> <laughs> tomorrow day comes, for doing things is best day tomorrow. Is
1: tomorrow. Yeah. If you do it at the last minute, it only takes a minute.
2: Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know what's also hard is like I'm like, how dare you not do this job that you do for free more <laughs> in a more timely <laughs> fashion. Uh you it's know not, what? Like, this this sustains us. We do it this does for our own <laughs> like intellectual and emotional well being and we do. Um it's hard to like always get that to number one on the list you know it's
1: really it's really hard to get that to number one especially right now I am very fortunate to say like I've been really busy in my private practice uh
2: yeah, that's awesome
1: really busy uh which is great um but it's also like you know it's a lot of time and it's a lot of focus and uh so this this the you know it that's my labor of love as well right now as well yeah. as this. Yeah, yeah, so it's good, but it's you know, autumn comes and JD slumbers. (laughs) That's I wrote that song actually. That was going to be the name of our podcast.
2: Autumn comes and JD
1: slumbers, Um, Um, but we decided to go with Real Psych instead.
2: What is that actually from?
1: Literally just now. I just
2: really. (laughs) It sounded like you're quoting like a obscure Broadway musical (laughs) like you sometimes do. And I'm like, yeah, "Uh, yeah, I totally get it, but I don't at all. And then you're like, listen to the soundtrack real quick boop, boop, boop. And then yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, I used to think that I was just such a smart, sharp and funny person because I'd be like people always I'll say something and people will be like, what's that from? And I'll be like, literally me. I just made it up. And then I realized <laughs> when I put a little more context to it, I was like, no, I'm constantly quoting things. So it's really just that if they don't know it, they just assume I'm quoting something. And it's not that I'm such a brilliant person. <laughs>
2: it can be two things.
1: It's not. It's really not. It's, it's one thing. It's you one thing. You just deliberate
2: really confidently, too. That it's like... Seems like it's coming from memory, not from spontaneity.
1: Yeah. You know, I have a background in improv, so... No. <laughs> Y'all... I truly, I think I should just take this moment to just once again thank you for listening to this
3: podcast because,
1: <laughs> oh, I really can be a deeply insufferable person. Um, uh, no, I mean a little. Um, not to me, not to you. Well, that's the thing is this is a, this is our podcast about our friendship and not yours. So, <laughs> <laughs> should we talk about this movie?
2: Yeah, let's talk about you it. You know what?
1: One of the parts of this movie is about friendship.
2: Speaking of insufferable, speaking of
1: insufferable. <laughs> gosh, and this movie I will say has really blown up on the memes this year in particular. Have you, you seen You sent
2: me a really funny one
1: where it's like every single like somebody like people watching this movie for the first time lately are like this is a bad, this is a problem. There's a lot of problems.
2: A lot of problems um, like both like in terms of you know the uh, like racial socioeconomic gender a lot of things happening workplace yeah yeah there's a
1: lot of workplace in here there's a lot of workplace harassment
2: yeah um but also just in terms of like what is what are we as a society trying to say about love you know
1: (laughs) (laughs) i mean the yeah i mean here's the thing i think the, the even bigger thing is what do these like you know Group of British producers who made this film want to say about love because I wouldn't yeah. give them credit to count as society. Like, let's... well,
2: we're all reflections of that which we are part of. We're all a little. What's yeah. that a quote from? <laughs> <laughs> See, that's what spontaneity sounds like when you don't have a background in improv. Yeah, it's
1: uh, it, I mean, this movie is. Of a moment. I remember watching this movie and having no notes.
2: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Like, Well, this is perfect. They should definitely recreate versions of this for many years to come and encompassing every
1: holiday. Right. I mean, those I think are technically unaffiliated, but it was just like a follow up. It's a
2: formula that they. Yeah, it's a
1: formula that that followed, but it was not the same. Producers that did Valentine's Day and New Year's Eve and Mother's Day. That was um, Rob Marshall, right? Or Gary Marshall. Gary Marshall. That was Who's Gary Rob Marshall? Marshall. Rob Marshall did Chicago, and Gary mm. Marshall did Pretty Woman.
2: All of those things, yeah.
1: Uh, Runaway Bride. Most of
2: our most of our repertoire.
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh, so for this movie, we cannot synopsisize this.
2: It's not even worth it, really. It's not
1: even worth it. So we're going to walk through the different storylines and tell you the like eight word version of what happens.
2: Should we hold ourselves to that?
1: <laughs> Should we try, try to? It. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Let's try. Um, let's start with Colin Firth. Okay. Colin Firth. Uh,
2: divorcee. Divorcee. Uh, can we say
1: can we say sad divorcee? I know that's twenty five percent of our words.
2: Yeah, like I want to say cheated on with a hyphen, so it counts as one. Yeah,
1: I think we got to skip that. I think we got to okay, 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 okay.
2: <laughs> sad divorcee writer writer escapes to nope, nope, <laughs> no, no, no. no
1: no We got to make this vacationing a title. sad divorcee writer seduces housekeeper without speaking
2: oh man that's real good that's That's seven portuguese
1: portuguese (laughs) yeah okay you guys have seen this movie i don't even think we need to explain it it's a problem he's a problem it's a problem this is workplace i mean granted harassment is in the eye of the recipient therefore like if if any of y'all have ever done an hr and this is going to be a theme for the rest of today. Mm-hmm. Any of you have ever uh, had to do like a big thorough HR training. You can ask someone at work out on a date. The only thing is that they are able, like that, it is acceptable for them to re- perceive that as harassment. It's also mm-hmm. possible that they will not receive it as harassment. So mm-hmm. don't flirt at work. Like you just, it, it, harassment is in the eye of the recipient. It's risky. So something that feels complimentary to one person could feel harassing to another person. So let's mm-hmm. just be aware. So in this movie, technically there's no harass well uh, there's minimal harassment because the people seem to be pretty willing parties although I got to say like the one in which like the uh, the assistant is harassing her boss. Yeah. He seems to be like cooperative at least in the end. That one is both the most problematic and least problematic because it's Agreed. at the very least, it's a subordinate. So the power, the power dynamics, dynamics yeah. are a little less problematic. I mean, also, I should say the Colin Firth one, we're making a lot of like socioeconomic and class things about like power differentials and things where like, you know, uh, for her to clean his house also doesn't necessarily mean that he holds a tremendous amount of power over her. Now, Hugh Grant has... <laughs> The literal prime minister of her nation. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there, there's an awful lot. There. But
2: they show, they juxtapose that with an even more disgusting example to make him look like it's not an issue with which the is, president of the United States.
1: Yes. The president of the United States harasses Martine McCutcheon. Mm-hmm. Um, should we do one or two more eight word summaries? <laughs> yeah, let's. Try. Okay, okay. Which one? Should we do Hugh Grant?
2: <laughs> yeah, let's do that.
1: All right, go for it.
2: Prime Minister.
1: That's one word. We're going to count it as one. It's okay, a hyphenate. Okay. It's Loves... not really a hyphenate, but we're going to make it one.
2: Love's assistant. Uh,
1: <laughs> Prime Minister fires assistant.
2: It's like
1: attraction.
2: <laughs> yeah, because then... attraction.
1: <laughs> kisses her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah,
2: that's really good. That's... Man, I am bad at this.
1: <laughs> uh and then let's let's throw in um you know, what? let's throw in the one with the little kid. The little kid. Uh,
2: yeah, well, that one's about that one's about my name.
1: <laughs> that is about Joanna. Yeah. It was also his mom's name, which I, I only know. caught watching it this time through. I'd never really
2: noticed it. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, it's like a quick scene,
1: but... Yeah, sad kid learns drums to impress singer girl. (laughs) Yeah, that one, um, also fun fact, and and one of the amazing memes I saw about this movie um, is that that kid in it, I can't remember his name, but that kid in this film... Brody
2: Sankster... Some Thomas Brodie Sangster or something. Sure. Yeah. He was in Game of Thrones.
1: Yeah, he was in Game of Thrones. He was 12 years old in this movie.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Kira Knightley is five years older than him.
2: That's unreal. <laughs> and he looks He's 17 seven. years old
1: in this film. And she is a married woman.
2: Ugh.
1: With he another lo- dude creepily filming her. Yeah. But being rude to her. He's attracted to her, so the only way to cope with his attraction is to be mean. And then when she finds out that he's basically stalking her, it's basically stalking because she loves banoffee pie. (laughs) (laughs) And he, straight up, is just like, oh, LOL. Actually, don't tell my best friend that I'm here.
2: (laughs) And And she's like, like, I'll kiss you because sympathy Also, don't tell because at Christmas you tell
1: the truth. I will say one of the first things I ever like remember seeing about this movie is like because at Christmas you tell the truth. And I was like, what?
0: I feel like I lie
1: the most at Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) Like you lie constantly at Christmas. Like, wow.
2: I needed this mug. I'm great. I
1: really needed this mug. Thank you.
2: (laughs) I love this scarf. Yay! Oh, Oh, it's
1: it's marshmallows, but they're snowmen. Um they look hard. Oh, it's for Coco. Okay. Thank you.
2: Your singing is great, Carol Carolers. <laughs> I like this standing. Say here. it's Carol Singers.
1: <laughs> yeah, I hate Uncle Jamie. Um, I mean, okay, this movie is to summarize not this the plot, but the concept. This movie is, like, nine storylines.
2: Everyone is, like, sort of connected to each other in, like, weird ways. Yeah.
1: Kind of ways. Um, But it's just showing
2: different, like, quote-unquote love stories. Yeah. All of which are, like, over time more and more problematic.
1: Right. There are different aspects of love. There is unexpected like friendship companionship between Bill Nye and his manager who plays like a Bill Nye plays a rock star there is um not yet spoken new love between Colin Firth and his housekeeper mm-hmm. there is unspoken like unrequited love between a dude and Kaiwete Edgefor's brand new wife who's also 17 his child bride <laughs> um
2: There's like a marriage. There's a marriage that's that's
1: on the ropes where he maybe cheats. They never really tell you. We know that he bought her a necklace. Um, There's a little boy who's in love with a little girl. Again, there's
2: like like, great
1: people are sexualizing children. But like, let's watch this little love story where it's totally okay to like. Anyways, Um, there's. So many stories. There's uh the prime minister falls in love with his catering manager. Time was you'd have been just his time. Um there's uh two. This is the weirdest one, actually. There's two stand ins on some sort of like sex scene film, yeah, which is Martin Sh- Martin Freeman. Freeman, thank you. It was like Martin Sheen, no. Uh Martin Freeman and a lady. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know her name. Just Judy. <laughs> um, and they have like a cute little like weirdly chased like love affair where they get to know each other. There's.
2: Yeah. Uh, despite the fact that they're like naked for their jobs.
1: They're naked for their jobs. So it's so funny. They've been naked this whole time. Yeah. But, like they don't.
2: He's like, like I anyways. don't know if I should kiss you on our first date.
1: Right. All I want for Christmas is you. <laughs> um, It's a callback. Because that movie sings, they, they sing that whole
2: song. Um, is the whole movie is that song. Uh,
1: I will say, I did have like in college. Like my favorite Christmas song was the uh, Olivia Olson. That's her name, the little girl who sings it. The Olivia Olson version of "All I Want for <laughs> wow.
2: Christmas." Wow.
1: I don't want a lot for Christmas. <laughs> um, especially when she does the you and you. <laughs> and you and you're like, oh man. <laughs> um, also, this is a a post-9-11 world, and that kid like ran through the airport. Sorry, that's a total like non sequitur, but y'all have seen the movie. Um yeah. uh, they even talk yeah. about 9-11 right at the beginning of this movie. Yeah. Um, there's that, there's a horny English dude who I mean, like he plays oh, yeah. such a good like boar, right? Like he's such he's such a dumb idiot, a yeah. big dumb idiot. And I will say it is one of my favorite scenes. Like it's so problematic and silly, but like they just do such a good job of like just the most absurd like scenario. Yeah, we're not the richest of girls. And so we've only got (laughs) one bed and no couch. And we can't even even afford pajamas.
2: Yeah. Like it's That's what Wisconsin is like, uh, right?
1: And you forgot about Harriet. You're gonna love her. She's the sexy one. <laughs> uh this that that scene is so stupid but I really do. And and really not that problematic, believe it or not. It just like exists as like a straight, it, it it is. It actually is incre- incredibly it is entirely consensual. It's just fun. There is no dif- power differential. It's these women are happy to sexualize this man and he is thrilled <laughs> to receive that. <laughs> um god, what is that it? That There's sounds- a sad marriage.
2: Yes. Yeah. I mean, y'all... Oh, there's, there's Laura Linney. <gasps> hmm.
1: Yeah. Uh, you don't even need eight words. It's like, Laura Linney, quit it. <laughs> that is four words to summarize that story. Yeah. Laura Linney with the hot Rodrigo Santoro. Yeah. Who, honestly, like, I don't think he's the most amazing actor. He's, the, like, one of the most beautiful humans that's ever existed on the
2: planet. He's an actor? <laughs>
1: <laughs> that was actually really good improv <laughs> i was like yeah you did lot of stuff was, i like, was, was totally on board <laughs> um <laughs> that was good um he's so hot but i actually feel like he plays this character so like i do i really believe his love of laura linney and like i, I i'm not saying it makes sense i'm saying i believe it
2: <laughs> yeah i think he's like very one-dimensional just like the assistant
1: yeah, I mean, he's a very like perfect character where he's yeah. so, so, so hot. Like, I'm an architect. He's like pining for her. Oh, God, mm-hmm. he's an architect. That is a sexy Isn't, job. Yeah. That's a hot job.
2: My brother in law is an architect, so I feel blah about that. But My I love Weta's him. an architect. <laughs> oh, really?
1: That doesn't mean every architect is hot. My okay. neighbor, Wita, she's real cute. She's hot. She's got good vibes. Um, our dogs are best friends. So we're kind of co parenting. So I guess she's like, Oh, Judy, Judy's mom. Judy's mom. Yeah, yeah. Um, y'all have probably bark
2: on the podcast,
1: <laughs> but it's mostly Gordy. It's mostly Gordy. Um, yeah. Okay, so this movie is an amalgam of a bunch of storylines, and at the very end, it's all about love. It's
2: all about love.
1: Actually. All about love. Uh, actually, yeah, love Ashley. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's all about love. Um, it ends in like a happy playlist. and Christmas at christmas oh yeah
2: i i will say that like there's a couple of stories that very like much do not get any kind of resolution one of those being um snape and emma um well it doesn't resolve
1: but but you see that a year later like it's still tense they're still together but it's also tense which i think like I, I appreciate that in terms of, like, the realism that, like, there's not one conversation that's going to fix all that. Right. And it doesn't mean that they're going to separate either. Like, you know what I mean? Everybody's relationship is their journey. That
2: one made me sad.
1: Yeah. Um, Yeah, I think I said last week there was a gay storyline, but they cut it where Mm -hmm. somebody's spouse, where the principal of the school spouse was dying. Also, Mr. Bean is there, and somehow is magical.
2: Fantastic! Does he
1: have magic Santa powers in like a weird way? Yeah, he like winks at the airport. At the airport, yeah, and he like tries to delay him from buying that necklace.
2: (laughs) It's so much. You think that's intentional? I, 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 I don't. That changes everything about how I think about this movie. You don't think he's a little bit Santa Claus? No, it's never occurred to me.
1: How else would he know that he was helping that boy? It's not like he looks and assesses the scene. I mean, I think there's a little twinkle of Christmas magic in it.
2: hmm Well, I love that. Let's say yes to that.
1: <laughs> yeah, Rowan Atkinson is Santa. Santa. Or like you know, Chris Kringle. However you celebrate,
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, okay. Yeah. So yeah. this movie is like you know, it's it's like a tradition.
1: It's a tradition. Is it
2: perfect? No.
1: It is not. Is it aging well? No. 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 We know. It's a like lot a
2: little more bit about less harassment it's a little less fun to watch every year I have to say but do I still do it yes
1: <laughs> yeah I mean I will say it's a great movie in my experience it 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 has existed throughout my entire adulthood mm-hmm. and it's a great movie to like put on while you're decorating the tree because it's like uh,
2: yeah. oh yeah what a nice movie
1: don't look too closely you know what yeah. I mean
2: just like let it it's like Stop when um, Hugh Grant is like dancing and oh like just yeah. see the, your favorite scenes and then continue about your business.
1: Yeah, there. I saw some weird interview where he was like, I refused. They were like, You're gonna have to dance. And I was like, Absolutely not. I'm not gonna do this film if I have to dance. But then I got on set and they were like, You're dancing today. And I did it. <laughs> and that's just what I did. And it was like, Wow, you're a hero, Hugh so Grant. So
2: brave.
1: Yeah, famous hero, Hugh Grant. <laughs> <laughs> totally non-problematic person. So brave. Hugh Grant. Yeah, it was just like, yeah, now it's this amazing movie scene. And it's like, bro, this movie is getting less amazing every year. But yeah, just like we have said several times on this podcast, you know what? Sometimes our favorites are problematic. And it is part of the, the goal of this podcast to create a space <laughs> We can process what it means to be like, wow, <laughs> that movie that I love, for instance, Made in Manhattan, where I was like, huh, yeah, it's not great. Also, I sure like that movie. <laughs> like,
2: yeah. Like, yeah, that's that should be maybe <laughs> if we ever change the name of our podcast. Yeah. That didn't age well. Let's process.
1: Yeah. Oh, we could just call it problematic or not. We'll change that. Maybe that'll be our spinoff.
2: Problematic or yes. Problematic. <laughs>
1: <laughs> problematic. Period. <laughs> Yeah, we'll call it the Bart Contest, which yeah, this movie which does I not don't really
2: Remember what that is?
1: The Bart Contest is is our own appropriation of the Bechtel Test. So, right. do two people of color have a conversation in the movie that is that is not about a white person?
2: Do you know what? I'm gonna have to do that. Might exist already.
1: Oh maybe. I mean l- l- as I said, the Bechdel test is this but for women, right? Do two <laughs> women have a scene in the movie where they have a conversation and it's not about a man. Right. Um which is actually very rare and as I've made the observation also funny because Alison Bechdel's most famous piece of writing is Fun Home, which does not pass the Bechdel test. Right, right. <laughs> um but in this case, uh this movie does not. This movie does feature a number of actors of color in mm. very small roles for the most part. Um, and they do not uh, have any scenes with each other. Correct. To my knowledge, feel free to send us a DM if I'm wrong. Because it happens once a year and it hasn't happened yet. So it's coming up. <laughs> it's coming up real quick.
2: we right um, out of time.
1: We are. But what we are going to do is take a break in a second. And when we come back,
2: we're going to talk about some cute Little
1: stuff that is basically not about this movie, but it is about
2: it's like research about love. Love, yeah, uh, it's about actually, love. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> we're going to jail.
1: <laughs> um, yeah, it's about love. Actually, uh, and so it's not about love. Actually, it's about love. Actually, yeah, uh, I've got some facts about love. Joanna's got some cool studies about love, and that's happening right after this. Bubub break.
2: We'll be right back. Bye.
0: Bye.
3: Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant.
1: hey there we are back we're back uh all right y'all you asked for it and we're gonna give it to you it's psychological research (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> I feel like the big things that I was thinking about was like infatuation yeah versus love and I don't know if that's a function of like we just did not have enough time with all of these lovers It's it's a,
1: a great question to be asking. I so what I did is I was actually like, you know what? There's so many small stories in this mm-hmm. that I really couldn't figure out what to like hold on to. So yeah. I went in and I found a cute, a couple like cute little sort of like lists about like by psychologists that are like facts about love or like short little tidbit anecdotes about love, which felt like a really appropriate way to do this movie.
2: Yeah. Uh, Snack yeah. size, little love research. And tidbit. if you
1: think about it real hard and you cross your eyes and your fingers, uh, they all intertwine because they're all also <laughs> about love. Um Okay. So what is love right it is an emotion of strong affection tenderness um you know devotion toward a subject or even an object like i like my sketchers but i love my prada backpack exactly but i love my sketchers that's cuz you don't have a prada backpack oh <laughs> um, makes so much sense so um Some studies, you know, if we want to look at the neurological thing, and you can probably say, you'll say probably a lot more about this in your, in your sides. Uh, But it's, it's neuropeptides, neurotransmitters are sort of give us these feelings of love and they exist to form social bonds with others, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, These chemicals naturally exist uh, and they encourage mutual support. They encourage reproduction. They encourage cooperation. But when you think about it, it's so much more than a bag. <laughs> uh, so, um, you know, attachment is one of the components of love. We'll talk yeah. about that as well a little more. Um, just as a review, and we've talked a lot about attachment on here, um, but there are four types of mammalian attachment bonds. So there's pair bonds, which is where an individuals, uh, two individuals form close long-term social connection i.e. your two hosts of your podcast
2: yeah this
1: is a pair bond
2: we're in love oh yeah we're a pair bond
1: (laughs) there's uh the bond between parents and infants Mm -hmm. there's oh we got another one here bonds between peers uh there we go just shared experience, right? Just mm-hmm. two people who have uh, a similar experience. And then the last is what's called um, con-specific bonds, or just bonds between individuals of the same species. The only race is the human race. <laughs> um. Right. So uh, most instances of human love fall into one of these categories, right? So you can love your friend, Allah, mm-hmm. la... The host this podcast. <laughs> um. There's romantic relationships, which are, of course, a type of pair bond. Um, And then companionship and different things can be all sorts of things. Um, So. Here are some fun facts. Fun facts. About love. Number one. uh, According to a recent study, it takes a fifth of a second for the euphoria inducing chemicals to start acting on the brain when you look at that special someone. So brain imaging studies suggest that love, uh, that the 12 different areas of the brain are involved in love. Name them all, Joanna. Oh, you can't, I guess you're not a real doctor.
2: <laughs> the, 12?
1: the 12, that's well, there are 12 different areas. Uh, and that when looking at a loved one, those areas release a cocktail of neurotransmitters across the brain, like oxytocin, dopamine, vasopressin and adrenaline.
2: Mm.
1: Uh, and that the brain actually gets a very similar response from a hit of love as it does from a small dose of cocaine, which has been done with neuroimaging studies where they have people do cocaine and then they have people look at pictures of their loved ones. Uh, that is Fine. a study I learned about in graduate school. Um, sorry, I'm always bragging that I went to grad school because <laughs> it was so, such a fun, it was such a pleasant experience.
2: It was experience. so fun. Yeah. Thriving.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. There studies have shown there's a difference between love and sexual desire, which you're going to talk a little bit more about, like infatuation and those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and that the regions affiliated with love are more commonly involved in like complex emotion, in motivation and in higher level thinking. And the psychology of love suggests that sexual desire is like a basic emotion, a base level that you could feel uh, sort of uncomplicatedly. Uh, that's mm-hmm. not to say that sex isn't complicated. Um, it isn't the way that I do it. i um, sorry. <laughs>
3: i
2: keep saying not the way i do it
1: not the way i do it um (laughs) but that love is built uh on top of these sort of uh more base circuits and that Mm -hmm. um one key area of difference being uh within the striatum uh i did not further look into that i just know it's different
2: okay
1: can you speak to that already probably
2: that it's different in the striatum the ways in
1: which like yeah this how it would be different within the striatum between these like base feelings and the more complicated ones
2: no i can't speak because the striatum i just think about like reward circuits and um so it's probably short-term versus
1: long-term short-term versus long-term rewards um yeah which uh that area of the brain is actually associated with the balance between higher and lower level functions the striatum Mm. so I mean, important, uh, and it's important to use your thinker. Um, okay. Here's a fun one that I really liked. Um, so two new studies about kissing Mm -hmm. have found that apart from being sexy, kissing also helps people choose partners and keep them. So in this one survey, women in particular rated kissing as very important, uh, As In terms of how to test out uh, compatibility of a new mate. Mm. But more promiscuous members of both sexes, both rated kissing is very important. So basically, prude men don't care about kissing, which like if you ever (laughs) watch that show Married at First Sight, that feels like it tracks. (laughs) Um, But kissing isn't just important as the start of a relationship, but it has a role in maintaining a relationship. And the correlation between the amount of kissing that long-term partners did actually dramatic was highly correlated with the quality of their relationship. That's interesting. The link was not seen when it was just sex and improved relationship satisfaction. So I think it makes I think it makes sense, right? That like Mm -hmm. the intimacy of kissing is uh, far more uh, uh, like affiliated with real romantic and emotional love Mm -hmm. than the intimacy of sex. Yeah, um, which I thought I I'd never heard this. I was really tickled when I saw that this.
2: makes sense to me. But yeah, that's really interesting, right? Mm-hmm.
1: Um, fact number four. I should also say. So I'm I am, am pulling from a list, by the way, y'all. That was compiled by uh, Dr. Jeremy Dean.
2: Buzzfeed.
1: Oh, by Buzzfeed. No, it is by a, <laughs> By a real psychologist. Um, uh, actually, an English psychologist. Oh my
2: god, because uh, the movie he's is probably England. seen it.
1: Number four, and I love this one. People who live with each other for 25 years may actually begin to develop similar facial features. What? <laughs> so when people are like, they've been married so long, they look like the same. So on the study, uh, this found that 20- 25 years of marriage, the facial features of couples actually become more similar as judged by independent observers.
2: Was it features or like like behaviors or mannerisms?
1: Well, I think it's so... Uh, th- the the author of this listicle uh, talks about similarities in diet, environment, personality, Mm -hmm. um, or even just empathy. Uh, I also think like the ways in which we express, we mirror one another in terms of our facial expressions as well. So I think the actual shape of how you move your face um, is its own language, right? The tone that we use and the, you know what I mean? And so like, I think that, um, you know, it makes sense. I mean, I feel like I say things that like, Like because you say them I say them Mm -hmm. And so like I can only imagine if and you and I Have only been friends for like seven years Yeah (laughs) so so I could just imagine that like if we were living together and Spending all of our time together which like we tried to do but Then I had to leave school
2: um (laughs) We did try to live together
1: We did try to live together okay Number five Uh contrary to Historical Wisdom long distance relationships Can work very well Uh and there are two factors that um, they found to really keep these these uh, the love alive long distance. One, telling each other intimate information, right? We talked about this when we talked about like intimate kinds of disclosure between friends and different mm-hmm. things like that, right? These emotional investments in another person. So intimate information. Intimate does not mean uh, phone sex. It could, right. but it doesn't have to, right? Intimate means um, that there is something of strong emotional weight that you are choosing to trust this other person with. Um, and the second one is, it's going to sound like, uh, and I think it sounds like an oversimplification, but I actually think it's an important thing to view. a An idealized view of their partner. So mm. it's easier to love someone long distance if you're like, they're my person. They're right. the ideal person. Therefore, all the other stuff that comes with the difficulty of a long distance relationship, worth it, right? And so like this idealized view, again, this is studies that are looking, they're not pairing couples off and being like, okay, go date long distance, right? Right. These are couples that already exist. And so they, they, the study looked for this theme of an idealized view of partner. And in that it's that so hard thing to change, but an interesting thing to note if you're an outsider. Um, so as a result, those in long distance relationship, um, have, but, but generally like people in long distance relationships also have like a similar level of satisfaction to people who are geographically close to each other, Mm -hmm. which I think is really, people are always like, no long distance, but I actually think like, I mean, and probably there's something where it's sort of, you know, weighing itself out a little bit in the beginning and like, who's actually willing to go long distance. Mm -hmm. Um, all right, next, uh, there's something called, this is a, uh, the, the four horsemen of the apocalypse of, um, there's supposedly four things that kill relationships um so these are this is throughout relational psychology throughout social psychology this is a very famous um famous research um john gottman came up with this so this is like yeah if y'all are psychology nerds you know you know who john gottman is
2: or if you're in couples therapy you know or if you're (laughs) in couples therapy
1: so number one is repeated criticism uh number two is contempt so like even like things like sarcasm Um, defensiveness or stonewalling, uh, are, are the, uh, like the main things to be kind of looking for. So Mm -hmm. those are super important, right? Wait, um, defensiveness, sorry, defensiveness, Uh stonewalling, criticism. Oh,
2: okay. Okay. Sorry.
1: I, yeah, I, I, I conflated defensive and stonewalling because they feel the same stonewalling is a total shutdown though. Yeah. Stonewalling is they're out it doesn't matter what they say to you. Right. Um, And I think actually is contempt the worst.
2: Ooh, I wonder, I don't, I mean, to me, like stonewalling
1: means you've already given up.
2: Yeah. Like it's like, seems past contempt, but I don't know.
1: Yeah. I don't know. So those are the four. So be watching out for those in your own relationships. Uh, We're almost done here with my fun facts. Um, (laughs) uh, Modern marriage as it is now actually demands an element of self-fulfillment how marriages operate has changed significantly over the years marriage used to be a purely economic investment uh and now there's this expectation that marriage is part of your journey for self-fulfillment self-actualization that is a huge shift in how we view experience and engage in our marriages um eli finkel who did the research around this uh said and this is a Quote, a direct quote. In general, if you want your marriage to help you achieve self expression and personal growth, it's crucial to invest sufficient time and energy in the marriage. Mm -hmm. If you know that the time and energy aren't available, then it makes sense to adjust your expectations according to minimize disappointment. So just understanding that in order to get self fulfillment and self actualization, weirdly, the self-fulfillment requires investment in the relationship, right? So for the relationship to feel fulfilling to you, you must also invest in it, is essentially what he's saying. Um, and that if you're unable to do proactive investment, then you need to minimize the expectation that that marriage as the relationship itself is going to be the thing that's providing you fulfillment. Yeah. Right? Which I think is- I like mean,
2: a- just like anything else, right? Like it's Just like-, like
1: anything else. It's just that the idea that a marriage would satisfy you is a new concept. Right. That's the, that's why this is like novel research is because historically Mm -hmm. marriages were not about, I mean, they're about that familial, you know, compassionate love, but they weren't about fulfillment. And now they, they are, um, number eight, if your relationship, uh, is in the weeds, uh, there might not be even a need to go into therapy suggests some research on the psychology of love uh so a, th- a recent three-year study uh showed that divorce rates were more than halved by watching movies about relationships and discussing them um I often recommend to clients that they listen to um, Esther Perel's podcast uh which mm. is called where should we begin where she does couples therapy um there's also a great TV show couples therapy
2: yeah. um
1: but basically that using these, conversations using other people's relationships can help start conversations within your own. So um, this study, and this is uh, Ronald Rogge, R-O-G-G-E is the study's lead author. And they, uh, and he says the results suggest that husbands and wives are pretty, have a pretty good sense of what they might be doing right and wrong. And so you might not need to teach them a whole lot of skills to cut the divorce rate, but what you need to do is get them to think about how they're currently behaving. And for the, for you know, movies can give us that benefit if you're able to actually engage and really talk about the movie. So it's not just about watch rom-coms, right? It might be, you know, listen to real psych <laughs> to save your marriage.
2: I would I would think like what you were citing were like more documentary style or like real world examples yes. as, opposed, world examples, to, like, as opposed to like rom-coms.
1: Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think, but I think there are a lot of movies like um there are a lot of more serious relationship movies that I think like can yeah. be uh yeah it doesn't have to be romance movies i mean like we think of how much we talked about we learned about relationships when we watched the notebook
2: totally. um totally like
1: an old one right yeah um yeah uh also uh this is i'll do this one real quick uh there are five different kinds of post-divorce relationships hmm dissolved duos uh which is where the father typically the father has disappeared one or one of the parents is gone mm-hmm. perfect pals they really went with alliteration with these uh where parents continue to be good friends uh cooperative colleagues i think this is the most common where couples move on but sort of they, they have a good footing but they very much moved on in their lives they're they're not so relationally intertwined apart from co-parenting angry associates right tense uh, divorces, but they do where the fighting continues but they work together and then the last is fiery foes where children are sort of the pawns and there's a really contentious thing are
2: these all like um post-divorce with children yes okay
1: yes um yes especially if they are children but um i think they primarily looked into child childful not childless childful uh divorces
2: Right. Um, okay.
1: And the last thing, which I think is hugely important, a recent study um, of over four thousand adults in the UK, topical, uh, <laughs> found that the biggest indicator of feeling loved and cared for by a romantic partner is simple acts of kindness. Mm. So, bringing your partner a cup of tea in bed, putting out the garbage, giving them a compliment that is sincere. Um can do uh a lot more than you would think. A, a box of chocolates of you know flowers, things like that as an apology are not the same thing, notably, right right. But out of the blue, doing something kind for your partner is uh, at least in this particular study was the number one indicator of like the of of how the recipient, and this is the study specifically looking at how do you feel when do you feel the most loved? by your partner, the most cared for. And so it might be an interesting thing. um, You know, do something nice for your partner and also maybe (laughs) have your partner listen to this episode and they can do something nice for you. Yeah, And by having them listen to the episode, you're
2: doing something nice for us. And we feel (laughs) cared for. I love that. Those are those are all really fun.
1: They're cute, right? And yeah. it's it seems like a little problematic but also cute, which felt like appropriate for this movie.
2: <laughs> it's on brand.
1: It's on brand. Yeah. I did
2: a I did a little bit more like empirical research.
0: Sure.
2: I think like Yeah, I I like those facts though. I think they touch on a lot of things that we I don't know. I I feel like
1: I think Hugh grant I grant touched on a lot of things. <laughs>
2: I uh, I think TikTok and Instagram, I watch a lot of these things on there and some of yeah. them touch on like some of the things that you were saying. Um, I mean, don't
1: always trust TikTok, y'all. There's a lot of things don't. on TikTok that are like, did you know that the chemicals in your brain that cause love could make you move a semi truck off of a baby's head immediately? And it's literally <laughs> science. <laughs>
2: So don't call 911.
1: Don't call 911. Just do did it. Did you know that if you love someone, you will physically kill anyone for them? <laughs> Look it up. It's in the thing. <laughs> yeah.
2: Anywho, yeah. Anywho. I did see that um oxytocin uh like or the the, the beginning stages of falling in love mm-hmm. can literally like make you require less sleep or like your other needs are kind of like oh, lesser because you're yeah. like so amped up on this love that you're like, you know, uh, feeling with someone else
1: yeah, oh for the no. first time. And that's, I hate how like how much I'm like, mm, that's why we talk all night on the phone and we right. just cuddle and we
2: wake up feeling happy and, and not tired like at such all
1: on <laughs> your
2: brain. It's it's your neurochemistry. It's OK on it's drugs. To... It's your brain yeah. on drugs. It is the drugs love are drugs.
1: naturally occurring neurotransmitters, but they're drugs. Same yeah. as cocaine, y'all.
2: This It's the same.
1: Which also makes you need less sleep.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of infatuation. Yeah. Uh, no, but so, you know, we you talked a little bit about attachment mm-hmm. and kind of these ingredients for romantic love and this idea of romantic love being this kind of higher level construct. Yeah. Right. That's like higher order thinking. Like there's like mm-hmm. more to it than just like sexual desire or. Um, even just like attachment styles, right? There's like infatuation Mm -hmm. as well. And I think that what we see in this movie is a lot of infatuation, whether that's a function of the writing or like what we're, you know, that's what we're kind of seeing. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I thought that that was really interesting to, to think about. And there's been some studies into kind of uh disentangling those two constructs of romantic love between like infatuation and attachment.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um and essentially I mean, like long story short, is like, yeah, there are different things. Um, <laughs> but some examples of like what infatuation might think of in terms of like if you're assessing it using like a survey or something, um, is so like some items that you might be Like that might be uh, measuring infatuation would be like, I stare into the distance when I think of, you know, my partner, um, (laughs) I get shaky knees when I'm near them. Um, it's kind of like really physiological, like high arousal Twitter. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um,
2: my thoughts about my partner make it difficult for me to concentrate on other things. um, you know, there, there's a lot of like, um, it's, you know, associated with kind of these like euphoric feelings, but also there can be lots of negative feelings, like insecurity, nervousness, anxiety, like those butterflies, right. There's kind of like a a mix of both. Um, but then attachment or secure attachment is really like not associated with negative feelings. Um, but right. more like, um, you know, I feel like I can count on my partner. Um, you know, I would feel lonely without them. I, um, you know, like just these kind of like higher order Mm -hmm. kind of constructs. Like, I think my partner is the one for me. Um, (laughs) Mm -hmm. or like the, you know, my partner is the person who makes me feel the happiest or, you know, my partner's part of my plan for the future. So these kind of like higher order, less, less like physiologically tied or like right. arousing kind of things. Less space. Um, yes. And so it's interesting to, to kind of think about, you know, we're, we're talking about two different things here. Like yeah. I would, I would call this movie infatuation actually.
1: The infatuation station. Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it is interesting, too, like you were talking also about studies looking at, um, like, uh, neuroimaging of people mm-hmm. who are in love.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And so I was looking at some studies. Um, and there have been some, like, imaging studies on looking at pictures of of someone you're in love with versus friends versus just attractive strangers. Um, okay. And there is, like, higher, like... Um, uh, like responses neurological totally. responses to someone that you love i looked at it as a function of attention and memory because mm-hmm. that was like when i did my phd um but basically you know when we're talking about very like emotional information we tend to attend to them and yeah. remember them better yeah
1: yeah yeah people's dilate dot 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 mm-hmm. that
2: because yeah. it's a function of this like the arousal of mm-hmm. emotional information, right? It makes you, it's more, it's literally more activating in your body mm-hmm. and that primes your brain to say, okay, I got to pay attention to this and let me remember this. So there's some um, studies that looked at EEGs in people mm-hmm. and they had them just look at words. So they had these participants and then they interviewed their partners it's someone that they were in love with um, their friend, like a, a just a friend, so someone that they liked a lot or even loved, but like fr- in a friendly way, and then um, just like control words and phrases, and had them related to like favorite hobbies, colors, foods, drinks, movie, like favorite things, um, and so participants viewed the words while like wearing this EEG cap. Um, And then at the end, there was like free recall. So like write down as many words as you remember from like viewing all of these. Mm -hmm. Um, And so what they found is that there was EEG activity related to motivated attention. Mm -hmm. And that was greater for, um, they call it beloved related. So beloved versus friend related.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Um, So it's even higher for beloved related versus friend related. Um, and in terms of free recall, they remembered beloved-related stimuli the the best, followed by friend-related stimuli um, and control stimuli were re- remembered the worst. Yeah. And then there was also, like, a recognition study where they had to, like, look at um, the list of words from that first passive viewing task, and there'd be other new words in there and say whether it was, like, an old word or a new word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And so... They found that there was actually, like, in terms of distinguishing between new and old words, um, there was not a difference between beloved-related and friend-related words. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, that free recall at the end was was similarly enhanced for beloved-related. So, um, yeah. So you you Hanging have on
1: his every word.
2: Yeah, you have like better. Um, recognition memory or recall memory and um, attention to like beloved related uh, versus friend related information. And that's not a function of like the positive feelings you feel about that person, right? They're both positive. It's like, arousal its really like the, yeah. the strength of what your love is. Oh, you yeah. Know, yeah. Presumably I feel like there's your... a really
1: good argument to be made in terms of like a, a spousal agreement or a disagreement being like, no, no, I love you, which means I definitely heard what you said better than you remember <laughs> what you said. And you said this.
2: <laughs> right. No, no. Like your the brain intensity is, of my love um... <laughs> is actually
1: so good that I promise you I remember <laughs> perfectly. Because if you know what, there's one thing you don't really love yourself. And though you're not listening. Yeah. That's the fight.
2: That's. I'm gonna use that. That sounds yeah, great. Yeah, like it's gonna I told work you to really fix well. Your
1: relationships earlier. This is the best way <laughs> to, to, to fix your relationships.
2: This is how you break your relationships. Gaslight
1: them out of their experience.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and then the last one, which I will just like touch briefly, but it's just fun. Um, but it's basically was looking at do people in love uh, are they better at predicting other people in love? Oh, okay. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. So basically they had participants who like rated, you know, whether they were in love or not, mm-hmm. um, amongst other kind of like factors about love, um, mm-hmm. how obsessively they thought about love, like how in love mm-hmm. they were at the time of the study, um, uh, how much experience they had with love. And then they watched video clips of couples and mm-hmm. then gave a rating of how in love they thought that they were. And these are <laughs> real couples. and right, like right. So first couples. the raters
1: got rated and then the raters rate.
2: Yeah, Yeah. Raider's going to rate. Um, (laughs) And so so then they have this measure of accuracy because the video clips they were watching was like actual couples who completed their own ratings. Right, of course. Yeah. yeah. So so they were able to, and then they also rated how confident they were in their ratings. So they're like, I think they're super in love and I feel 100% sure about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what they actually found was that they people in love um felt really confident about their ratings but yeah. they're actually less accurate <laughs> which is really funny but i mean i think it speaks to possibly you know they're they're kind of like uh using their own judgment of their own experience of love and yeah. maybe that's biasing them in a way that like doesn't allow them to like yeah they objectively it, like, view. Oh. I heard her talking. It's just like me and my Aaron. <laughs> we're just the same. They must be in
1: love. Right. They must be in love. Right. <laughs> exactly.
2: Yeah. But I just thought that was funny.
1: That's amazing. Yeah. Um.
2: Ugh, love. 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 <laughs>
1: I I don't remember what it was, but there was something. I might have been an SNL, but like the, the what years ago when Tila Tequila had a shot at love was her like show she had a million subscribers or a million subscribers a million friends on myspace so she got her own and she was this like filipino bisexual person uh and she uh did
2: she pass away (laughs) i I feel like that just popped into my head she i weirdly thought she became a republican okay i think i remember that
1: i don't know i'm not gonna fact check it but I just yeah. remember SNL doing an amazing thing where she would be like, her thing at the end when she'd give, let somebody go to the next week, she'd be like, you still deserve a shot, love. <laughs> <laughs> you still deserve a shot, love.
2: Actually, you do.
1: Actually, I think you deserve a shot, love. <laughs> um, anyways. Anywho, uh, what a fun movie. Love this pick. Yay. Uh, should we do a movie next week?
2: Yeah, I think we should.
1: Should I pick one?
2: I, that would be great.
1: Okay. Well just you off mind? the top of my head. That'd be okay. Off the top. Picked a movie from outside of our little zone here. Okay. Uh, in the year of our Lord, 1990. Okay. Uh, it seems appropriate on account of Christmas. Jesus.
2: Uh, yeah.
1: Jesus. <laughs> I thought that was an exclamation. <laughs> uh, there's a bunch of taglines. Um but there's one that is the best one. Okay. Uh, 1990, a family comedy without the family.
2: Is it Home Alone? It is! <laughs> <laughs> I have never seen this movie. Oh, my God. I know. It's like one of those that's like a shameful secret. Yeah, I've, I've never seen, seen You know it. what's
1: funny? I've never seen A Christmas Story.
2: Oh, I... I've seen parts of it. I've never seen the full thing.
1: I that's my thing. F- people are like, "Oh yeah, cuz in a Christmas I'm always like, I never that was not my Christmas viewing.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Home Alone though was year-round viewing for me. You've never seen Home
2: Alone? <laughs> yeah, isn't that wild?
1: Hey, let's watch it for this podcast.
2: I think that's a great idea.
1: Um Home Alone to me sits in a very similar place as like Hook in just mm-hmm. like in childhood it was like everybody's seen that movie. Like everyone has seen that movie. I guess you didn't have a childhood?
2: Yeah, famously, I did not.
1: Famously grown into an adult overnight.
2: Generational trauma. Yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you know, me just wandering around in the continent that my ancestors colonized. Traumatized. Yeah. Yeah uh we watched home alone in my in my family i have also we talk a lot about 30 minute musicals y'all i've also done a 30 minute musical for home alone who are you i was uncle frank uh (laughs) he famously says look what you did you little jerk (laughs) so i got the like it felt like actually a very sitcom moment for me back when i did whenever we've actually done that show many many over many years but uh in that like that line everybody's waiting for it so like when you do it it was a very like steve urkel like i knew that and everybody's Mm. like he said it. Yeah. it's like to do the Carlton dance and have everybody like, "Oh, that's the thing, all
2: that's waiting the thing we're it. waiting for." <laughs> yeah,
1: um, and that, uh, yeah. So I got to be Uncle Frank, but we get to talk about a movie you've never seen
2: that mm-hmm. is also
1: making the rounds on some memes once again.
2: Yeah, the
1: holiday season.
2: Catherine O'Hare is in a commercial, r- like doing a callback to. Oh, is she? Mm-hmm. Kevin. Yeah, um, and it's Kevin Hart is the other person
1: that's so it's like a you know play what? on kevin make that money
2: yeah make that money katherine <laughs> she looks great
1: of course she looks great yeah you look great um <laughs> first wives club callback uh anyways y'all you are the real stars here
2: <laughs> thanks for putting up with us
1: thanks for putting up with this this has been a particularly <laughs> indulgent episode i have been dr jd barton
2: and i have been dr joanna
1: this has been another gorgeous episode of Real Psych. So
2: please like, rate, subscribe, tell a friend, check us out on YouTube. We have no <laughs>
1: subscribers. The, y'all are doing an amazing job downloading it on the audio and no one cares about those videos. They're also, the search engine optimization is not great. I'm seeing what Yeah, there's do. lots
2: of issues there. There's it's,
1: issues. You know what? Yeah. Keep listening however you want to listen.
2: You yeah. know what? You know what?
1: That's all we got to say here. You do you, boo-boo. You do you, baby boo. Love you much. (laughs) Bye. See you next week. Bye.